Hey everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 36, and I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy Duresta and David Picciuto. How's it going, guys? Howdy. Hey, what's up? Not much. Uh, before we get rolling, I want to thank Luis Gonzalez and Jeremy White. They're our top patrons on Patreon, and those guys are awesome. They, they and everybody else at Patreon help us continue to make this show, uh, which is really awesome because we enjoy it. So thanks to those guys, and uh, if you guys want to continue, or if you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it, or you can go to iTunes, and you can leave us a review and a rating, and or a rating, either one. We like them both, but it helps us get in front of more people. So You know what also helps get us in front of what? more people? People just sharing it. You don't have to donate money, but if you want to help out, you could always share. Post on Twitter, Facebook, whatever you got. Yep, That's that true. helps. It does help. Speaking of those things, we are on Twitter at Making It Podcast. And if you follow that, you'll always be the first one to find out about new episodes, which come out every Friday. But we're there. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram, although we don't use it much. But we have it. So maybe we'll use it one of these days. <laughs> we were going to use Instagram to uh, put like uh, fan stuff up if anybody wanted to send stuff in, right? Wasn't that what it was originally for? I don't know. I'm not sure why we got it, but we have it. <laughs> to secure the name. Somebody yeah, send us an email and remind us why we have it. Yeah. yeah. Tell us what yeah. we can do with it. <laughs> yeah. I think fan stuff will be fun, you know? Yeah. Inspired yeah. by fan stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, we did uh, last week, or and not last week, last month, we did a couple of Q&A episodes. And that, most of those came in through Twitter. And so if you guys want to, like, send us questions, we can save them up for another one of those Q&As to do in the future. So you can just tweet at us with those questions. That'd be cool. But let's get to this week. What are you guys working on? Nothing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have new basement windows uh, that are getting installed tomorrow. And oh. so right now my shop is unavailable because I had to make pathways to all the windows and move tools and the table saw and the outfeed table and the bench. They're all just used to hold stuff right now non-woodworking stuff so i have been using the time to work on my website with the new branding and just work on the overall user experience very cool thank you for putting me in makers and shakers yeah yeah good some good videos the last couple weeks yeah likewise i I a little nepotism there between the two of us (laughs) you know here's the thing like i don't want to show off you two on the show Right, because it just seems like I'm showing favoritism. But I really want to show the best videos of the past two weeks, and you guys had some of the best videos. So, uh, thank you very much. I, I had this little internal algorithm where next week I won't. I'll be sure to not show anybody from the previous episode. So, Jimmy, what are you working on? Uh, well, I'm working. I'm up at the house this week. Uh, we had renters over the weekend, so then I got up here Monday night, and I immediately started working on. Two curved desks, which I'll probably post pictures of, but I'm not filming it. They're for uh, the liquor guys. It's just like a lot of plywood and a lot of two-by-fours. So I didn't think it was interesting enough to film. So I'm working on that, and um, I'm going to make a bunch of cutting boards for George Dickel. So I started prepping some of the wood. And uh, another thing, I'm finishing up my ice picks. I was able to silver solder. I learned silver soldering this week and last week. I might have talked a little bit about that, but the process of making a lot of durable things is something that that I have to learn regardless of, uh, you know, I promised and I pre-sold a lot of these ice picks. So I have to deliver a product that is 
is, is durable. And so typically I'll make it and I'll be like, ah, you know, I used the wrong solder, but I could always just fix it. But obviously that's not the case. So I had to learn silver solder, which is much, much stronger. And then soldering and then the idea of uh, processing each one of those solder joints and cleaning them and buffing them. So I learned a lot in the last few days, just things that I never confronted, but I figured it all out. So I'm excited about that. So I'm getting kind of confused talking about what I'm working on because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ahead. And so I have several projects complete that won't be released for weeks and I don't want to give them away. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of torn about what I want to talk about what I'm working on, but I'll talk about what I worked on last week. Sure. That's going to go up next week. Um, so when I built my table for electronics, my, um, you know, my first welded table, I mentioned maybe making an overhead camera rig for that. And a lot of people responded to that. They wanted to see how that would work. And so I did that last week and I spent a lot of time trying to overcomplicate it in my head. And I come up with a really cool mechanism to make it the camera move in all the different directions and all the stuff. And I ended up finding that using a, a boom arm from a microphone stand was like the perfect mechanism so I ended up welding this, um, you know, kind of really small steel frame and then mounted this boom arm on it. And then the camera hooks right onto the end of that. So I have full range of motion and it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think uh, it'll be helpful for people. But um, so that's going to go up next week. That's what I've been up to, you know, and a bunch of other stuff that I'm not going to talk about yet. Do you guys have the secret? You don't have the secrecy thing, right? What's that? Me? I, don't, I tell everybody anything they want to know. I don't care. See, it's like I'm not I'm not like I don't want to tell people things, but I like the surprise of releasing a video and nobody knows what's coming. And so if I talk about what I'm working on or show like in progress, I feel like I'm giving it away. <laughs> well, you know, I, I find that by like teasing projects, it's great because when people ultimately see them, they're like super excited because they're like, oh, I've been following this whole time. So that's that's why I like to tease projects. It also gives me fodder to put on Instagram, you know, which I like to try and keep current. So when I uh, put up pictures of up and coming projects, and sometimes I put up a picture of a of a video that I still haven't, you know, months and months later, like I haven't finished my Chris knife blade yet, and uh, I keep inching along, and so people keep asking me, you know, where mm -hmm. that is. So it gets it to me. I like the idea of teasing and showing off, you know, what's what's coming down the road. Yeah, I only talk about projects that I am physically working on now i used to say hey i'm gonna do this video i'm gonna make this thing and it turns out that i lie a lot <laughs> yeah I, I get in that same problem <laughs> and so i haven't done the outdoor workbench i haven't made the second guitar i haven't painted painted the the first guitar you know i haven't done the basic picture frame making or the advanced picture frame making videos yet <laughs> and i've said i was going to do all these earlier this year so you are a liar i wow. am a complete liar do not trust me <laughs> but please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How did your How did you end up in an advertisement on my channel, like in the middle of one of my videos? How did that happen? Um, YouTube has kind of like a free, like I didn't pay for any advertisement, but every yeah. once in a while, YouTube will pull one of my videos and and use that as an advertisement. How, do they do that to me too? How does that happen? I how think do, somewhere in the settings, hidden deep in the settings, you have to turn that on. I'm right. I'm not sure where that is. Yeah, right. I vaguely remember clicking that box at some point yeah. when they added it, but not wow. exactly sure where it is. And but they yeah, take it. Well, I saw your Inventables commercial, which looked great too. I mean, that's what I was talking about. But oh, that Inventables did use 
some of my footage yeah. for uh, an ad that they made. And so they actually might be paying to run commercials. Right, right, yeah, because it looked really slick. I've seen a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, they did a lot of motion graphics. Um, yeah, we, we worked together on that, and uh, I, I provided them a bunch of footage, and, and they, they made a really sweet video out of it. Yeah, yeah I thought it was nice. really well done. Yeah. So, um, but are they making commercials of your channel? Are they doing stuff with that? Is that what somebody mentioned today on Twitter? I'm not real sure. Because I thought maybe they were talking about the, the Intimentables commercials, but... Wasn't sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, there's some setting in in YouTube. I think it's like when your channel gets to a certain size, a certain number of views, then you have the option to like <clears throat> pick one of your videos, or maybe it's your channel trailer or something, and it tries to up to a certain amount put that as a advertisement for your channel on other related channels. Probably, I would imagine that's when they can't sell advertising. In that right. spot, you know, and yeah. they probably grab one of those in the queue and just kind of stick it in. So there's something there. That's a guess, but mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Anyway, well, guys, I'm going to introduce the topic today, which is precision. A lot of people uh, write all of us and ask us, you know, if if we have a uh, the struggle of being precise and you know the mental physical struggle of you know is it precise enough or how can I get it precise? How do I adjust my table saw? So that it cuts a perfect 90 in, you know, the direction of the blade coming out of the table and then the direction of the sled passing through the blade. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of instances where we need to be precise. And, you know, I know personally, my personal struggle is that I am not as precise as I can see other people being. (laughs) And we have a a wonderful thing called YouTube editing and video (laughs) editing. And sometimes I'll pass the thing through the saw and it will not be precise. But I'm not going to show you the 10 tries I do after that to get it perfect. In my edit, I just jump right to what I'm using the piece of wood for. So that <laughs> um, doesn't always happen. But occasionally it does happen. And uh, it's uh, it, I watch some other YouTube videos where these guys do more fine woodworking. And I don't personally consider myself a fine woodworker. But I see them and I, and I envy them when I see them like make a joint and boom everything works perfect. And though they cut 10 shelves and every one of the shelves is exactly the same shape and size. If I cut 10 shelves, I guarantee I'm going to have 10 different size shelves. It's, it's just me. I think I, I, I sometimes think that like people are born with, with car problems, computer problems, and uh, the inability to make an exact perfect 90 degree cut. And I think I'm born with that. And uh, I, I have the ability to hide it well. So I'm I'm coming out of the closet right now and saying I'm not a precise cutter. So. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about does it matter if everything is is super precise down to the ten thousands? Um, yeah, well, it's funny. It's funny when you see Mateus break out his dial caliper uh, or his uh, his dial indicator when he's using. You know, that's typically only reserved for machinists. But you know, he breaks it out every once in a while when he's testing his table saw and his fence and this, that, and the other thing. And I think to myself, that means nothing to me personally because I could go for it and try it, but then when I cut a piece of wood, it'll be tapered. It's supposed to be dead straight through the fence, but it comes out tapered. How does that happen? You know, I personally have my table saw fence not run parallel to my blade. Uh, I have it so the, the outfeed table side of the table saw, it's slightly more open. 
right. which is kind of like a safety feature to prevent kickback so right. that wood doesn't hit the back of the blade and then come flying back at me. There was a video where I had the camera down at the at the angle of the blade and like running with the with the fence like shot right down the middle of the fence and you could actually see it being out of parallel and i got so many comments about that it was just it just happened to be like i happened to have the the exact perfect camera angle to show it off where the wood meets the saw blade and the fence that distance is always going to be the same so as long as my my blade is set at 90 degrees i should get a pretty repeatable accurate cut every single time so there's a bunch of variables there like when you when you're trying to be accurate in a cut you have you have a few things you have how accurate how much time you spend at the machine trying to get the machine like you want it to be like how much time you know you set the fence and like how close you pay attention to the measurements on the fence and stuff like that but then you also have all these machine variables you have uh, things that you can control and things that you can't control. Like you talked about setting the fence parallel. That's something you intentionally controlled. You can also intentionally control that the blade is 90 to the table, stuff like that. But then you can't control, you know, like a wobble in the blade that you may not be aware of in certain types of wood. And like it shows up in really hard wood, but it doesn't show up in soft wood. Or, you know, there's like a bunch of stuff like that. So you can only take it so far. Um, <clears throat> with like what you can actually control and then at some point if you want like the next level of accuracy then you have to start breaking down those machines into like all the different possible things that could be out of whack or get out of whack on a regular basis and then go in and like set all of those things all the time and i think that's where like when you get to that point is when you have to start deciding like you know what's valuable is like a 16th of an inch valuable or is like a millionth of an inch <laughs> you know like <laughs> You know, well, yeah, it makes sense. I found with a really good set of clamps, you can clamp out any inaccuracies. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> point. I mean, with, with my Bessie K body style clamps, if I have two boards that are not the same length, but when I go to clamp them up, if I just put enough pressure on there, it's all, it's all gonna fit. And you know what? In a couple of days, all your wood's gonna move anyway, or the next season, the wood's gonna move a little bit, and your piece is going to be not accurate anymore but nobody's ever gonna know unless they bring out the the calipers right yeah yeah it kind of it depends on the piece like you know if it's something that you're gonna be if it's like a jewelry box right you're it's small scale it has detailed things that you're gonna put in it and so when you look at those detailed things you're gonna be looking at the detail of the surrounding container that's a lot different than like you know jimmy's talking about putting these like big signs on the outside of pretzel shops it doesn't matter if those letters are perfectly smooth right. and perfectly whatever because you don't see them at the detail level you would you know like a small right. nice thing right yeah that's another thing too is knowing when and where you can have to be and can be and you know knowing what you're working on and where it goes you know a lot of times people say if they're looking at that joint then you know they're not paying attention to what they're supposed to be paying attention to you know we say that a lot in video editing it's like if they're looking at this then they're not really paying attention to the story <laughs> so, you know it's a matter of of basically picking your battles. And the only people looking at your joints are other woodworkers, right? Right. Yeah. So it's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, you were talking about the edit earlier. That got me thinking about how, <clears throat> you know, some people may, who, who don't create video, or maybe people that do create video, may, may hear that statement that you like, 
you make a cut on video and then when you go to use it, it's wrong and then you fix it off of video. Mm-hmm. They may think that's a bad thing. But there, it comes down to the same perspective thing as the jewelry box or the sign. Like, is the point of the video that you, Jimmy, are making, is the point of that to show how accurately you can cut a single piece of wood or is it to show that you can build some giant contraptions thingy, you know, that's like big and grand and that little detail and the fact that you miscut something or you have to recut something, that's not really an important part yeah. of telling that telling well, that story. I mean, grand story, you know. When so, I in some with some of my videos where I've been lately I've been doing some voiceovers for some of my videos, I will I will bring it up and I'll say I had trouble doing this or I had trouble doing that. Um, specifically just to commiserate with the viewer, you know, who's gonna have the same problems. But when I'm doing a quick, fast paced video Again, my, my focus and my goal is always to inspire and just to enlighten people and entertain them. And so for me to stop down and say, it took me five cuts to do this. Maybe you won't have the same problem that I had. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not my style on those particular videos. But if I was doing a voiceover, I'd say, you know what, this first cut worked, uh, the second cut didn't, you know, so I, I would, I would certainly highlight it if I, if I had the opportunity to. It's funny. I have all these tools for my table saw. Uh, I have I have a dial gauge so I can set my blade so it's parallel to the miter slot, um, but I've never used it. And I paid all this money for this this gauge, and I, I actually I don't have any desire to use it. I think my my blade is close enough to parallel to the miter slot, and then I have my fence set the way I I want it to work. That being said, I do think accuracy is more about getting the machine set up to put you in a position to win, right? Mm. Yeah. You might want to spend one day a year going through your table saw, setting that up one day a year, going through your joiner, making and calibrate that. You're right. What you bring up is very important. If I'm about to, to build a job that's going to be scrutinized and then it's going to be, it's going to be in a situation where it's at eye level and that all my joints need to be tight and clean. And I'm all using, I might be using like veneered plywood with hardwood and I want to make sure everything's accurate. I'll, I'll go take the time on that particular job and adjust all my saws. And I'll definitely buy a new blade to start with. Because a lot of times you get inaccurate cuts because your blade's dull. And the blade is like, you know, sometimes blades follow the grain. They don't follow, you know, the path you want it to cut on. It'll follow the softest spot between two two grain lines, you know, especially on a bandsaw. So you really got to you, you gotta have sharp tools if, if precision is is important for that particular job so i think so many issues with the bandsaw are comes down to having a dull blade totally a lot of people say and then i'm like when's the last time you changed the blade they're like oh i don't know it was on the one i bought the saw i'm like get rid of that thing buy a new blade right now and i get a call back you're right you're 100 right that was the problem you know blade drift if your blade is drifting straight away there's something's wrong with the blade half of the you know one side of it's burned out the other side isn't um, you know, the, the rake in the teeth, uh, the rake, somebody might've cut a nail on that side of the blade and that side of the blade doesn't want to work for you. When I say side, I mean like the left and the right side of the blade has a different rake, you know, so you go to make a turn, right. You go to make a turn left and one time, one side often doesn't work as well as the other. So have you guys invested in any of all the gadgets to help make square cuts and square joints and, and all that? Like I, I personally have the, uh, I'm not sure what they're called, but they just look like L's and you put them in the corner when you go to clamp up your, your casework. And it seems like, oh, this is, and it seems like, oh, you can just make these and have them around. But 
I never find the time to make all these little gadgets. And so mm-hmm. when I actually have them, I use them and they, they do help out. I well, have this, uh, I have a corner clamp from Irwin that I got at Home Depot or Lowe's. It, it's, I just saw it once. I'm like, oh, that, that'll definitely be helpful. And it's just a little corner clamp. And once in a while, if I'm making a face frame or something, I'll grab it, you know, when I'm screwing up each one of the corners of the face frame or mounting them together. And so that helps. But I mean, the most important thing is, you know, checking your, if you're making a face frame or any kind of frame or any kind of box, I find the most important accurate measurement is the, is your diagonal. Make sure that you have the same diagonal on either corner of the box. And then you're going to know that you're square. And you're also going to find out right away if you cut two pieces that are wrong. You know, I've got that same corner clamp and it is really, really handy. <clears throat> um, as far as like you, you, what you're talking about making your own, like, yeah, you could make your own perfect square, you know, corner to use as a, a squaring up tool. But there's, if you don't get that perfectly right, <laughs> then it's going to be working against you, you know? And so, <laughs> Like in my opinion, and everybody's different for different reasons and everything. For me, something like that, I would rather spend even a reasonable amount of money to get something that I know was machined with the intent, the you know, the single intent to be square. Yeah. Not yeah. like, well, I've got ten minutes, so I'm gonna go in and try to make something that's kind of square and hopefully it works. Cause that's what it would be like in my shop, and then it would come out to be like ninety-one and a half degrees, you know, <laughs> or something. <laughs> That'd be like totally useless and just be a waste of time. But as far as those tools, um, the only thing I really have because I'm I don't particularly care about accuracy, just the way I work. I don't <laughs> if it's if it works, it works, and I don't care, you know. Um, but the only thing that I've gotten recently is one of those little um, angle gauges that that go onto your blade on your table saw. Oh yeah, saw. I have the Wixie one. Okay. Yeah, I got the same one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it was one of those things where I like had it in my Amazon cart for about a year or so. <laughs> like, I don't really want to spend 30 bucks on that. I don't really need it. And then I did something recently and I I squared the blade with a framing square. And so it, it, to my eyes, it looked like it was 90. You know, to the the carpenter square, it was 90. And then I cut these pieces and tried to like make a panel or something and you could tell just barely that it wasn't right. And so that's when I was finally like, all right, 30 bucks to get something <laughs> square. Sure. I'll do that. You know? I, I find like a lot of times when you take a, an actual like square or anything to up, up against your blade, you might not know it, but you might be hitting up against one of those teeth, which might not, it might give you a kind of like a false reading. And so that, that digital angle gauge really helps out, gets me exactly 45 or exactly 90 very fast. Correct me if you got that, the digital angle gauge works perfectly if your tabletop is dead level to the earth, right? Well, you have to zero it. So you first put that on the tabletop, zero oh, it. okay. And then move it to the blade. Yeah. Oh, so it's, okay, all, it's all okay. relative, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. I'd never used one. So that makes perfect sense to me. I always thought if you bought that, you have to make sure that your, your table's dead level. Did you guys notice about a few months ago, David Welder made the table cradle, table saw cradle, that, that I designed it and David built it. And like finally, after like 15 years of the table saw, like always never standing up straight level, we finally got a table saw that doesn't move around now. And that's just a matter. I mean, I can't deny it. I've just been lazy to finally get that done. <laughs> David offered to make it, so I was like, sure, go for it. And because he wanted to make it for a video. And uh, so finally, we have a table saw that's level and doesn't move. And um, it, it really has made a world of difference. I mean, I've always been like, 
the table's sometimes set at like a, at an angle. So it's like sitting at, a, and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, as long as I'm always relative to the fence and the, and the miter guides, I'm okay. So, and that's really how I lived the last 15 years. So. Yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, now that bump, because what happens in my, my shop is small. People constantly bumping into the rails, me too, bumping into the rails that stick out that hold the, uh, you know, the fence. And saw shifts, and then the, sh- the shim moves out of place, and we go to put it back, and then the other shim moves. But now we have it, like, standing on the cement, and it's not moving. It's on four corners that are dialed into the cement, and, it's, and it works really well. Nice. It works in the fact that it doesn't move. So that's, that's good enough for me. Yeah, that works. So yeah. let's, let's talk about accuracy. Let's blow it out a little bit and go past the cut accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about, like, just hitting the mark that you want to hit, whatever that is. So, I, I mean, I think this, the same principles apply as far as, like, you know, you only have to be as accurate as the thing that you're actually shooting for. Like, for instance, um, my goals for my business are, like, I'm trying to get on a certain schedule to where I can get so far ahead with certain videos so that I have more free time day to day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and so that's my goal, and that's such kind of a broad goal that I don't really have to be that accurate with like day to day stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything like that where you're you know you're you're going at something in your shop or in your business or in your whatever that you're just kind of like yeah you know, like. I mean- like how does accuracy play into that scale of stuff? I guess I about? could bring up, uh, I mean, my own personal experiences. I always tell a client that needs something on a certain date. I say, when is the date you need it? And and I say, no matter, you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to make sure I hit that date. And I, and I almost always do. I'm never, I've never been one of those guys. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I need an extra day or I need an extra week or an extra this. I, I try my best to always hit that date. I mean, you know, now given there's, there's a lot of variables, job site situations and availability to access to a job site, or if it's something that I'm making for clients that needs to be picked up and the shipping is rearranged. But that's one of the most important things for me is to always hit that date. So when I'm talking to a client and they're saying this, that, and the other thing, I say, all you have to tell me is when you need it by. And I, you know, I'm going to hit that date. And you know, I'm very proud of my track record. And so that's one thing as far as accuracy goes. I'm never calling up somebody and saying, Oh, I need a week, I need another week. And I'm usually done a week before, if possible. Don't let accuracy get in the way of completing your project. You know, you sometimes you can get really involved in the details and whether you're woodworking or painting or taking photos sometimes you just have to step away from that accuracy and think about the bigger picture and work towards those goals instead i hear from a lot of people they say you know i'm I'm paralyzed by my 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 need to be accurate i start working on a project and if i can't get i just give up or i put it aside and i never get back to it so that they're paralyzed by the fear of being inaccurate you know i guess we all have our own level of what that means to us but some people just you know if they're not and the dial indicator perfection, <laughs> it, it's, it's worthless. And to me, that's a bit of an OCD that some people have. Don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Cool. Well, I, unless anybody else has anything else to say about accuracy, let's um, wrap it up and move on to what we're watching. You guys weren't watching anything cool? I have been watching st- some cool stuff. Tell us about it. 
Have you guys heard of Kyle Toth? You guys oh, yeah. have. <laughs> I've been digging this stuff for a long time and I can't I couldn't recall if I suggested Kyle before. If I have, I'm sorry, but you really should be watching Kyle's videos. This dude is crazy amazing. He's never worked a real job in his life. He's only done woodworking. He left high school, went out to the the woodworking school in Boston, went back home and then just made a career out of it. And his yep. he has a very artistic approach to his woodworking crazy shapes um non-traditional stuff as well as traditional stuff just really awesome and a super cool fun guy he's been to my shop he is a super cool guy as well as mine good dude good dude yep um i i wanted to just talk a little bit about core 77 uh, the youtube page um because i've been getting a lot of emails of people telling me that they're stealing my content. But in fact, I actually have a deal with them. I give them one exclusive video per month. And uh, that video is typically revolving around furniture. And um, talking about accuracy, my first video I did for them was a dovetail bench. And I'm not practiced at doing dovetails. So for me, it was a challenge. And I I definitely did pretty good. I, I, it wasn't as perfect as I wanted it to be, but I was very happy with the results. And uh, so the next time is only going to be better than that. So if I could say anything about perfection, it's practice. I love that bench, by the way. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. I'm looking at it right now. It's at my house in upstate. Who is core 77? Uh, core 77 is a website uh, that is, it's a website blog kind of along the lines of like boing boing. And they basically focus on style design and, you know, the future of, of art and design. And so they'll have like, for instance, they just uh, they just did a, a whole segment on hardtop convertibles and the whole mechanism of the hardtop closing into the trunk of the car, and how you know as designers and inventors and thinkers we look at that and we think like God, how complicated and elegant it is at the same time, and how that can inspire us. And they they approached me at the end of uh, at the end of the fall at the end of the winter rather beginning of the spring and asked me if I'd be interested in doing videos and we said how can we do something that's a little exclusive for us. And I came up with the idea of doing a voiceover for them and then only kind of focusing on furniture. And so it's good for me because furniture isn't something that I continuously make. I'm making displays or, you know, all whatever anybody needs. Furniture is like, for me, is I've always been a little intimidated by it because it's kind of like a fashion thing. And I'm not really in that world. At least I don't feel like I am. And so it's a, it's a challenge for me to each week try and come up with something that's sexy. And it's good. It's definitely been really good for my thinking. And uh, David, you you highlighted my spike table, so thank you for that. Yeah, you bet. Core seventy seven, along with um, websites like Colossal, Design Milk, and Mocha Local, I I use those sites for inspiration all the time. It's just really really good stuff, high design. Yep, and, and you know they see the elegance and simple stuff too, which is really nice. Yeah. So for me, um, so I, I put out my Nerf gun video this past week where I did. Oh uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm just it was a test and weathering and stuff like that. Well, <clears throat> I I know a, a few different YouTube creators who do props because that's kind of where I'm headed. I want to do some prop replica stuff, and I know a few people, but I've never really looked very far down that rabbit hole. And in the comments, someone recommended um, a guy named uh, I can't remember his last name now, Bill, but his company is called Punished Props, and. He apparently has done some videos for Tested as well. So anyway, I, I got to look into his channel, and the stuff that he makes is amazing. It's just, you know, a lot of it's made out of foam. A lot of it's, mm-hmm. you know, just like, just these kind of different simple materials. 
But once I guess once people get in the with the skill set and they get in the mindset of creating things that look, you know, metallic and hard and big and they look like they have mass and weight, but then they do it with foam and painting and sculpting and stuff. Yeah. It's really awesome to see people take that stuff and turn it into something entirely different. But yeah. so he's really good at it. Um and so if you guys are interested in prop stuff at all, go to check out Punished Props. Definitely. Cool. cool. Yeah. So well, I'd like to apologize for having a bad connection this week, guys. <laughs> you know what? The editing is going to make it seamless, and it's going to make it seem like you were here the entire time. Right on. Well, well, that's good. Well, that's the power of editing. Yeah. If anyone's listening, you can edit. You can edit somebody that forgot his computer and only uses his iPhone to Skype with. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 got through it all. No worries. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> we made it. So you can find me at makesomething.tv. Which right Ooh. now just redirects you to the Drunken Woodworker, but I'm in the whole transition of the of the rebranding. Wow! Um, but um, so if you go to my site, it's going to look different than maybe the last time you were there. And um, my book got officially pushed back from the 15th to the 30th. Oh! Um, but I think I'm still going to have the physical copies in time to take with me to woodworking in America. So um, it's going to be really close. So we'll we'll find out about that. And while we're talking about my book, let me explain my book. Uh, so I have a new book coming out end of the month. It is called the New Bandsaw Box Book, and it shows you how to make eight different bandsaw box designs, all designed by me. And that is put out by Springhouse Press. And I'm so excited to show everybody because it took a lot of work. And wow. I'm very, very proud of it. I'm working on my book with uh, with Make Magazine, and it's kind of got a little derailed only because of everyone's schedule. But oh, making a book is a thankless job. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, that's what I got going on. Jimmy, where can they find you? Uh, JimmyDiresta.com, and my toy backer campaign is in the final days. Everybody, thank you so much. The guys on Facebook, William and Andrew and Tim and you guys, thank you all so much. Where, where are we at else. with that? 83% I think with a few days left. And, what what uh, do we got to do to make this happen? I Andrew and and these guys and William Lutz and you know all those guys have been really pushing and and Andy and a couple of the guys on that that Facebook page and uh William put out a little video yesterday which honestly I watched it and tears came to my eyes. He it was just so sweet. That, that and, dude's awesome. Uh, and it was just amazing like uh, it was just incredible. It was so touching and I thanked him so much. And uh, I don't know what to do. We'll see where it goes. You know, if we get close enough, maybe Carlos can figure out how to do the math to make it work. He's my guy in charge of that. Um, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully we get close. We can close the door on this and take it to the next step. When's the final day? Uh, I think nine days from now. I think we have nine days from today. All right. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start annoying everybody with it here real soon. <laughs> Yeah, and that's not that's not nine days from when you're listening to that to this. Yeah, that's so be a couple left. There's only only a few days left when you're hearing this. So right. if you haven't supported Jimmy's Toybacker, go to toybacker.com, find his thing, help him get his makerspace built. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Yeah, do that. Thank you. Yeah, this this little bit of money is just going to get the ball rolling with the architect and you know the plans and stuff because it's. I mean, I need a lot more than what I'm asking for just to get the ball started. Yeah. So thank cool. you. Well, uh, all my stuff is at I like to make stuff.com. Same as always. Everything's there. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Come see us at uh, Woodworking in America if you're going to be there. That's 
next week, two weeks, September twenty fifth and twenty sixth. We'll yeah, all be wow. there. Um, I think we'll. I don't. We don't have any kind of structured meetup for the three of us, but we'll we'll figure out something. We'll all hang we'll out. We'll be hanging around the booth. Yeah. yeah. And I just found out a couple hours ago, I'm going to be at the Pittsburgh Maker Fair, October tenth and eleventh. Oh, maybe awesome. I'll come see you. I'll uh, I'll be just four hours away. So. Yep. Cool. Cool. So there you go. Might be the both of us. And I'll be in at the Atlanta Maker Fair the weekend before that, October 3rd and 4th. So if you're in that area, come say hi. Awesome. But, uh, yeah. All right. That's it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Later. Thank you, guys. <laughs>